Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Max Carlin, and I'm joined, as always, by Jake Rosen. Jake, how are you? I'm doing well, Max. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's been a little while, man. But, uh, you know, we're, ch- we're chugging along here, um, trying to do good, uh, good intros that will make Ben Pfeiffer stop making fun of me for my inability to do intros. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm getting better. It's it's easy to be the guy that just comes on the podcast and talks, n- not necessarily the one who introduces the guests, introduces the podcast. I, I just kind of sit here and chill while, while Max takes all the heat. I don't really it's, complain it's about a that. It's needlessly and painfully <laughs> awkward uh, like interaction. This intro, we should just start like cold opening directly. <laughs> like I, I, yeah, we're just we're just, from from now on. I think we're just gonna we're gonna start discussions immediately. We'll, we're we're gonna cut the intro music. We're gonna cut everything. <laughs> discussion from from second one uh, all right <laughs> so today we're talking about the strengths and weaknesses of the 2021 nba draft um should be a fun one uh, yeah so, oh, no, I'm, any, yeah. I, I was just gonna say it's it's interesting like c- contrasting last year's class to this year's class um last year's class the one that never ended seamlessly um just knew way too much and watched too much on every single prospect but these like you, it's real these classes are very very different and i think like they were getting filled that way from the jump um i have some like i think 2021 is a little bit more interesting than like it's more intricate than people initially thought out to be um but i'm, I'm excited to con- compare and contrast between last year and this year especially yeah and we're gonna work in a fair amount of comparing and contrasting into this episode uh and starting from the top with the most important and most obvious differentiator between the 2020 and 2021 NBA draft classes are the franchise shaping talents at the top of the 2021 draft. Um, in Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley, you have two guys who are exceptionally skilled, uh, exceptionally intelligent and exceptionally physically talented. But I think what is interesting about them is that they're like kind of polar opposites in terms of, how usage and role are going to affect their impact that Cade is a beyond multi-talented um, initiator prospect that he Cade has proficiency in any sort of play type that you could ask him, ask him to initiate out of whether that you want him to be a pick and roll ball handler, whether you want him to operate out of the post, 
whether you want him to come, run off screens as a shooter, uh, he's going to be able to add value in every single way. And in that sense, is, is kind of just a, a centerpiece, really on both ends, kind of no matter what you ask him to do because of how diverse his skill set is. Whereas Evan Mobley um, has a lot of intellectual, physical skill tools to work with, but I think will take some creativity to extract the utmost value from him, uh, certainly on the offensive end. Like you have this guy who is uniquely capable of covering ground, of, of operating in space and using space to his advantage, of getting to these difficult touch shots that aren't really difficult for someone with his reach, um, that he has, uh, I think I mentioned, the ability to cover ground. His coordination with the ball is just explosion. There are ways, like, like as we discussed on that long episode with PD quite a while ago, like there are a lot of ways to extract value from Evan Mobley's skills, but it's going to take a lot more creativity than with Cade Cunningham, where really whatever you ask him to do uh, in terms of anchoring either an offensive or defensive unit, he's going to be proficient at. Yeah, it, it's a, that's definitely like an interesting contrast between the two of them. Like Cade is almost tails almost time, right? You have this big, strong, skilled wing that you're going to want to give the ball to, and you're going to want to have him running most of your offense at the next level. Um, all the skills that you mentioned, the handle is proficient, the ability to move like smaller defenders off his spots, but against bigger defenders, you can use the burst that he does have and the handling sequences that he possesses to, to get into the paint and create advantages. But, but Mobley, Mobley is sort of an interesting chicken in the egg situation to me versus like, is it Mobley is coming to the league at the perfect time or did the direction of the league was heading shape Mobley's game? And like, regardless of which way you look at it, you're, you're going to get this big, that, it's going to have to take bits and pieces from all the, like you think about someone like Cat right now. I don't think Mobley shooting from a projection, projection standpoint is at that level right now. But just from a usage standpoint, when you look at the skilled modern bigs who are going to operate outside in, um, obviously Mobley's, as you, as you mentioned, his length and touch around the brim allows him to be pretty solid in the post but given the the high hips and and the lack of strength right now it might not be his calling card at least early on so I I think with Mobley to get the most of him like you said you're gonna have to take bits and pieces from the Jokic's the Cats um, blanking on some others but but some of these more perimeter oriented modern bigs who are you have to be a little bit more creative with like you said it's not as simple as here's Kate Cunningham give him a pick and roll or get him going downhill in the secondary break it's going to have to require some DHOs and some more complex sets and principles but Evan Mobley when put in the right spot is absolutely going to thrive yeah the the last thing I want to note on these guys beyond proficiency just in every possible usage that you could ask of them they win in innumerable different ways that Cade is going to is capable of backing guys down with his strength from the perimeter into the basket. He can also win with complex dribble sequences with some burst out of those dribble moves um, with change of pace, of course. And, you know, Mobley with his ability to cover ground, with his burst, with his vertical explosion, with his footwork, his timing, like there are all these different ways for these two guys to win, no matter what you're asking them to do. And that makes them such potent forces on both ends of the floor. Uh, and, you know, talents that, that I think we definitely didn't see last year and, and are kind of, you know, they're the, um, 
you know, the, the most important players in this draft for sure. Yeah. Um, before we move on, like, I just want to echo one little point about like the multitude of ways they're adding values. It, it's a little bit of like a cliche that I think some people preach that like the league it is you have your superstars, then you have your specialists. Like I would kind of argue that that's not how it is. While yes, people that are extremely good at one particular skill can certainly add value. But from a draft philosophy standpoint, when you're projecting forward, the the different ways and the handful of ways that all these guys that these two guys can provide value on, on both ends of the floors, just it creates such a, a wide range of outcomes for them and, and wide range of ways where they can provide this potential franchise changing impact that we're talking about. It's not necessarily like if K doesn't shoot it at as high of a level as we're projecting that, that he's a lost cause because that's not the case. And with Mobley, the same could be said. So I think that's definitely a very important point to hammer home is that since they're so well-versed, like that makes them that much more equipped to take a franchise to the next level. The wait is finally over. Football was in full effect and the NBA is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. From rare dead stock to the latest release, you can find the exact sneaker you've been looking for on eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, a team of independent professional authenticators perform a rigorous inspection of the sneakers you purchase before they're sent to you, so you can confidently shop knowing your pair is the real deal. For sneaker sellers out there, eBay has estimated selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to sell or flip your collection. With other sites taking as much as 25%, you're going to have a lot of extra money left for more sneakers. Check out ebay.com slash sneakers today. Yeah, and it's not, I mean, these two are going to be centerpieces of franchises, but they're also eminently scalable. Yep. They, the, the level of shooting prospect that Kate has evolved into, the team defender that Kate is, and then, of course, Mobley with his diversity and pick-and-roll coverages, his positional uh, versatility in that he can be a primary room protector or uh, can – be highly valuable as a secondary guy with his ability to cover ground and his timing and intelligence and length uh, and, and quick leaping ability. Those two guys are tremendously scalable in addition to being offensive and defensive centerpieces to, to some degree. Uh, I think we can move on now, though, mm-hmm. to another strength, which would be playmaking forwards. Um, there are a few exceptionally talented ones. Uh, I think Scotty Barnes certainly comes to mind because his game has always sort of been really focused on the playmaking that maybe the scoring threat is not necessarily there that he doesn't have the touch or the explosion vertically or horizontally and he doesn't have the shooting but his ability to move defenses with his eyes to manipulate to execute really any pass to see over defenses um, is really exceptional at the forward position and if you can find ways to get him into advantageous positions you can find ways to get him catches going downhill um or if you're to use him, you know, as a big in some settings, you know, on the roll, um, or as a grab and go guy, he's an exceptional transition player this year. Um, you can get a lot of a lot of value out of him. Franz Wagner, um, another guy who's a really really diverse forward playmaker. Um, I would say more more of like a linker type than than Barnes for sure. That that Franz is going to extend possessions, um, but we we certainly have seen some 
exceptional playmaking from him, you know, out of pick and roll um, or like passing out of the post. Uh, and I think you can say that the same for, for Jalen Johnson, that, you know, he, he may be skewed more towards like big man playmaking where you're going to toss the ball into him in the high post and he's going to like really sneak passes into tight windows to cutters. But I think all three of these guys are, are emblematic of, of guys who can bring some, some probably it'll be more secondary playmaking, some playmaking and uh, working on the role and certainly in transition, but uh, certainly a strength of this class. Yeah. And I think this is probably one of the more fun skills and I don't want to say like archetypes to, to scout and watch. Um, I think a lot of this, and this is something that we've talked about, something that we've talked about early on in, in, and this would go back to a couple of years ago, this class was getting billed as the draft class with tons of wing initiators and, and all that. And, and once these guys actually come to fruition and we evaluate them as prospects, it becomes clear that that is just an incredibly high bar to attain. So what you kind of get is these guys that are six eight six nine who have incredible basketball processing and can just not only see and read the defense, but also manipulate them and deliver these passes, utilizing their size to create certain angles and passing with ambidexterity. And the list goes on. It's incredibly fun and valuable skill to have. So I'm super interested to see how the league uses this influx of these guys across all draft ranges. Um, And obviously, I think you mentioned it was important to note that someone like Franz is probably more of a linking player than the dynamic playmaker that you can get from a Scotty Barnes and maybe even a Jalen Johnson at times that he has flashed. Um, so that's definitely super interesting, but yeah, like prioritizing guys who have the size to guard up on defense and can essentially guard fours, but not, but not hinder, hopefully hinder your spacing on offense and most certainly won't hinder the motion and continuity principles of your offense. That's something that's really exciting to me as the game progresses and moves towards in, in the direction that it's going and i think these types of modern fours are essential like i think we could also throw roko in here I'm, I'm not sure to what extent but um definitely someone to, to watch that has a little bit of that playmaking flair the game off the bounce at six eight with some legit positional strength so yeah this is definitely a, a fun bonus to this class that i kind of feel overloaded with like there are a lot of, of these modern fours in this class that the big forwards that have a, a little bit of handling skills, a little bit of shooting, a little bit of slashing, and it's just up to wh- whichever organization is going to be able to put it all together, which whatever, whatever prospect they select. But yeah, this is probably my favorite part of, of the class. Honestly, it's just a, such, such a fun and interesting twist moving forward. There are a lot of guys who fit a, a Wardian philosophy of team yes. building. Yes. Um, uh, shout out to our friend Henry Ward and check out the uh, the episode we did with him on his on his team building philosophy if you haven't already because uh, it was a lot of fun and there and there are a lot of guys this year who who sort of fit what he's what he's looking for um, the the other or, or the next area that we had is one that was a strength last year and and I, I think is going to kind of permanently be a strength of of draft classes going forward because the creators are in the NBA and, and I mean, throughout youth lovers are getting bigger that you can have guard sized players who are more secondary creators, tertiary creators who really are not like getting the ball from a standstill and running half court offense, but are attacking existing advantages or are, you know, the, the second alternative in, in, in an offense. Um, so these second side creators, there are quite a few of them throughout the, throughout the draft. 
you know, Jalen Suggs, Jaden Springer, uh, even an application of someone like Josh Giddy, if he doesn't wind up in a spot where he's just given the ball and told to like spam pick and roll for 60 times a game, like there's certainly an application of Josh Giddy where he is attacking more secondarily um, and can make use of his, of his court mapping and, and playmaking there while maybe covering for some of his, his, uh, I wouldn't even necessarily necessarily say inability to create advantages so much as, you know, lack of overwhelming ability to create advantages. Um, but yeah, there are quite a few of these guys and, and, you know, if you, if you can slot them into next to uh, a bigger initiator, you know, the, these are guys who can contribute on both ends can make the most of, of advantage situations, even if they're not necessarily like, this standstill creator that Damian Lillard or Steph Curry is. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Um, I think you mentioned, I think the name I'll also throw out there is Deuce McBride. And I think he, he somewhat like epitomizes this idea of second side creation. And there, I mean, there are a lot of guys. You yeah, throw yeah. Book Knight in this class, book Knight, yeah. Josh Christopher, if you want, there are tons yeah. of guys. Jo- Josh Christopher. So when I actually, when I wrote about second side creation back in Jan- like early, early January book Knight and, Christopher, I, another BJ Boston. I think is another guy. Actually, I, I, I was gonna, I was gonna get to it. So I think like the most interesting crop of these guys, I, I think, are is like Josh Christopher, BJ Boston, and um for because they're they're bigger. Yeah, for like a different reason, Deuce McBride. Um, I'll start mm-hmm. off with just like Christopher and and Boston, and, and I think this is a really interesting role that I think we're gonna a lot of like, we're gonna see a lot of these somewhat like blue chip high highly touted recruits that are wings and, and at a young age are, are given the green light to create and have these handle like have these handling chops in their bag but it's just not fully like the idea of them running an offense it, it just isn't fully there yet um but they still have these micro skills that whether it's shot making or, or in Christopher's favor, like getting downhill with, with the tools that he has and the bag and the shift, the vertical explosion at the rim. And then with Boston, with, with the space creation and the shot making, these are still very valuable skills. And while, yes, you can't use them as your primary source of creation and they have their own limitations, so it would be best to work against a tilted defense, they're still valuable skills that at 6'5 and 6'6, six, 6'7 six, six, in Boston's case, I think maybe, you shouldn't go overlooked. And I think that's like the second side creation is a really interesting avenue for guys like that that have certain skills, but it just can't be fully realized in like a primary creation or, or big time handling like usage role, but it can still be utilized and, and even valued in an off the ball attacking when you have an opportunity created by one of your teammates and then utilizing those skills that you do have to capitalize on it. And then like someone like Deuce McBride Bride is someone that I think also really fits into this role. So some, similar to someone like D'Anthony Melton, who is more smaller sized and is going to bring a ton of value on the defensive side with his lateral quickness, instincts, team defense, all the stuff that we've talked about. but on the offensive side just has certain skills that he, that he can provide to not only just like hold up his value there, as you've mentioned on this podcast, Max, like if you're an, if you're a zero on offense, you're not just a neutral, like that, that's a fallacy that kind of needs to be dispelled. And in someone like Deuce's case at six, two, if you're not going to handle the ball at, at a relatively high level previously, it would have been tough for you to get on the floor and even provide value, but as such a potent shot maker and yes, while he's behind as a playmaker and getting downhill in the half court, 
the, the shot making, especially off the bounce, is someone is something that I think an NBA team could certainly use. And through the lens, if you view it through the lens of him being another guard on the floor, not the guard on the floor, I think it becomes much easier to see how he could carve out a role. Yeah, I'm very curious to track how this crop of guys develops. Like, you know, last year you had every, like a wide range of skills from Tyrese Halliburton to RJ Hampton, guys who, who kind of, you know, more or less are fitting this same role that we're talking about, but, but get, you know, accomplish it in, a, in very different ways. Um, BJ Boston is, I think, probably the one this year I'm most interested to track, just on account of the, you know, he can get people off balance with his handle. It just doesn't necessarily matter all that much because he doesn't have explosion out of his dribble moves, um, and which gives people time to recover. And that recovery against him is easy because of how weak he is. Um, so if, if he's operating in situations where he has more inherent advantages because he's catching with you know, a defender who has significant momentum going in one direction, who's, who's, you know, who's at a disadvantage, then being able to get them off balance is really impactful. Um, so I'm real. I'm very curious to see if if transitioning to more of a secondary role uh, in the NBA, if, if if he can really you know, slide into that role nicely, because um, it's a situation where where his college role was really difficult and not well matched to the skill set that he has. Uh, and, and like you said, he does he does have some genuine skills in his ability to to sort of move people with his handle yeah and it would be naive to also not recognize that bj boston is going to be a fairly big and important data point for the like the pre-college truthers like myself honestly who who value that high school and aau film a lot and when your college role isn't exactly what it's meant to be and can present some challenges and i think it was definitely necessary for someone like bj boston i know i mean i thought of him I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think you also kind of viewed him as this wing who could handle the ball and create for himself and others um, a decent bit. And it became pretty, it became clear pretty quickly at Kentucky that that was not going to be feasible, at least in the near future. So I, I think while it's definitely necessary to go to college, get put in uncomfortable situations so the, the flaws can come out and rear their head it's hard to kind of unsee the flashes that BJ Boston did show at lower levels, especially as a shot maker, like you said, Max, when he was closer to the mean of athletes um, in terms of high scores, restraint bursts and all that. So if you kind of take that same approach and look through the same lens that after a couple of years in the NBA strength conditioning program, that those skills that he's always had are, are not only going to still be there, but be polished upon. Um, it, it presents a really interesting case and potential role for him. Yeah. At the same time, I mean, you, you, you can't discount what we saw at Kentucky. Oh, 100%. Be, being thrust into that role where he was asked to do a lot on the ball. I mean, he was unable to create advantages, unable to create good outcomes, like yeah, pretty consistently. And, and um, I think I think he's just really limited by, by his inability to explode out of, those, out of those triple moves, even if he can get guys off balance, you know, really limited currently by his shooting, currently by his decision-making, certainly. Mm -hmm. uh, by his lack of strength, you know, the, 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 there are a lot of limitations there, uh, and it was it was certainly valuable to see that at, at Kentucky because it was it was much more muted at lower levels. Even if even if the signs were there that we maybe didn't pay close enough attention to. Yep, um, for sure. The because the signs certainly were there. Um, kind of you know naturally following from from that, the wing depth this year I think is a major strength 
after that being a huge weakness last year. Um, I think last year, like we, Ben and I talked about this, that once you get, once you got past the lottery last year, like you pretty much had to take Josh Green if you wanted like a, a plus defensive player on the wing. Um, like there, it, it was, it was really, really pretty rough from, from what I remember. Whereas this year, you know, throughout the, or I, but the, the super late wing depth last year was, was good. That is true. Like the undrafted guys uh, were good. But this year, I think th- throughout the entire draft, um, there are a lot of just like nice bets on wings. And more importantly, there are wings who I think fill a lot of different roles. So kind of whatever the flavor you prefer is, you can grab. So there are shooters like Joe Wieskamp, Chris Duarte. You're, there are toolsy defenders like uh, Terrence Shannon and, and Aaron Henry. Uh, and then there are you know, guys that fill really specific roles like Ochev Baji, his, his um, standout skill set is like chasing guys off screens uh, where he just really is great staying attached to guys chasing off screens and avoiding screens um, with, his, with his footwork and his hips. Um, and you guys like, like uh, Romeo Weems who can cover ground like at a very, very high level um, and has incredible instincts. Uh, you have, I think you, you threw this one, you have Zaire Williams, who has yeah. a lot of raw tools in his lateral movement, his instincts and his shooting ability, but is really encumbered by his lack of strength and everything that flows from that and his lack of balance, um, his total inability to put pressure on the rim, uh, to chase guys off screens, to, to get over screens if there's any contact on the ball. Um, but I, just throughout this entire draft, there are, I think, a ton of shots to be taken on wings, which is super valuable. Yeah, the, the point that I really want to emphasize, like, I love that you kind of word it as flavors and you can just pick what you're in the mood for and what you need. Um, I think from like a team building standpoint, it, there's just so many guys that I, it's really hard to split hairs between these guys as actual prospects. So from a from a team standpoint, putting yourself in executive shoes, it's had to be it has to be quite a luxury to have a, such a wide crop of guys that can fit what you're looking whatever you're looking for. A couple of names that I would add, like obviously, so I threw on Zaire at the end, who I think is just such a fascinating case of having everything that you would kind of wish for with this with the lateral quickness, with the shooting, the, the space creation flashes, but very clearly the handle and the strength and holding him back on both ends, uh, the strength most notably and lack of explosion at the rim suffers from the same BJ Boston syndrome where it can't really get downhill and actually put pressure and, and explode, but nonetheless still has some really enticing tools and skills to work with from a stance from, or from a baseline. Um, someone else I would throw out there like Kessler Edwards, if, if you're looking for more of a three and D guy, uh, the on-ball chops aren't necessarily there. I mean, he flashed a little bit of it at, at a lower level of competition. So it's not something I'm particularly confident at the moment, but yeah, the shooting is weird, but, and he's not Bane. Like we'll start with there. Like he is not Bane in terms of sample size and production. However, yeah, the, the, the Kessler mechanics are actually weird. No, no. Oh, well, they're weird. I was going to say he's not Bane from a confidence and projection standpoint when it comes to the shooting because, yeah, because certainly. like n- no one, I don't, I'm not sure we'll ever see another Bane, honestly, when it, when it comes to that volume and those percentages, but the Kessler, the, the Kessler mechanics are certainly weird. Um, I, I'm not really sure how to even describe them. It, they're just, kind it, of yeah. I mean, the, the, place. 
Yeah, you can go ahead if you, you want to get it. Well, I've talked about it a little bit with PD in the past because Kessler did, like hunches his, his yep. upper body forward. Uh, I think PD said that he thought that it was a, a prior balance issue correcting for it, but it's, it's really odd that he like sort of hunches his body forward like that. He seems um, like really concerned about, about landing space sometimes when he has tight contests. So it kind of reminded me a little bit of, of the Denny lower body shooting issues. That, that very well may have been psychological because of a previous landing space issue. Um, so I don't know what's going on there, but there are like definite mechanical flaws. Although the sample with Kessler as a shooter is certainly encouraging. Yes. The reason I didn't include him, I, I, he's just like forward big. Oh, no, no, yeah. Also no. than like wing, but I feel, yeah. But no. I think you can throw him in there. The wait is finally over. Football was in full effect and the NBA is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. From rare dead stock to the latest release, you can find the exact sneaker you've been looking for on eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, a team of independent professional authenticators perform a rigorous inspection of the sneakers you purchased before they're sent to you, so you can confidently shop knowing your pair is the real deal. For sneaker sellers out there, eBay has estimated selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to sell or flip your collection. With other sites taking as much as 25%, you're going to have a lot of extra money left for more sneakers check out ebay.com slash sneakers today with regards to kessler uh if you're someone who believes that there's a, a, a shooting sample there that not only isn't horrible but is actually on the good side of projection going forward and you believe there's some low-hanging fruit with the mechanics then i think that becomes a super enticing bet and then on defense super interesting when it comes to ground coverage and processing just has the ability to sometimes cover an entire side of the floor with stunts rotations recoveries you name it he's very anticipatory and knows seems to know the scheme very very well um and is able to maneuver within it to to even create some events so kessler edwards is definitely someone i would throw in that category is like a certain flavor of wing obviously as you noted max a bigger wing but certainly someone that to keep it i would keep an eye on yeah the next area we had was athletic tools so whereas last year really felt like in spite of a lack of on ball advantage creation in spite of maybe elite athletic tools you had just crazy high field group last year i think this year all around the athletic tools are pretty exceptional from someone like evan mobley with his complete uh athletic package but you know in particular his movement ability, his ability to slide laterally, to flip his hips, to cover ground. Uh, his length, I would certainly include as an athletic tool because that allows him to swallow up space um, and really disturb defend, uh, offensive players on the perimeter. Uh, is of course, his quick leaping ability and just overall vertical, his coordination. Um, just a special all-around athlete. Uh, you can say the same for Keon Johnson. That his, you know, he, he adds the the understanding of space and the ability to just like maneuver his body through space, but just 
unbelievable hundredth percentile explosion. Um, Jalen Green, another, you know, maybe doesn't have the same level of flexibility and, and maneuverability in space, but just overwhelming explosion horizontally and vertically. Uh, Jonathan Kuminga, you know, the combination of strength and, and explosion at his size. Uh, Greg Brown as, as a vertical athlete. Kai Jones with the coordination and fluidity. Uh, Josh Christopher with his just power and explosion. Like you, you have so many exceptionally physically talented players in this year's class. Yeah, it's super funny because it's such a different watching experience uh, than, than the guys that are high feel uh, instead of guys like me and you like oozing all over the rotations and the, and the stunts and the recoveries and plus ones and all that stuff. You have just it's really a roller coaster with with these high with these high tool guys who have some of the, the most eye-popping plays whether that just be some hang time around the rim like notably Jalen Green has had some incredible finishes this year uh, where when it comes to body control and hang time around the rim and just whether it's it be Josh Christopher Keon Johnson just vertical explosion and, and just power at the rim the word I used in a tweet the other day with, with Keon is just violent he's pretty violent as an athlete just how he can and cut and get to get from point A to point B super quickly and then explode off the ground. Uh, the most notable play is that the Keon poster against Georgia, where he basically just like comes uh, off like a one, two step and just punches it on like a six ten guy. Um, so definitely some special flashes and in- interesting tools to bet on uh, weighing the tools and how they intertwine with each prospect's individual skill set. That's where it gets really interesting. Josh Christopher, and this is something I wrote about um, back in January it's super interesting when you consider his ability to create space with this, with the lower body strength and get to, and the ability to get downhill with his vertical explosion. And then when you combine that with the handle and space creation, um, like handling methods that he does have, it generates an interesting combination. Obviously there's some decision-making stuff to iron out there, especially when it comes to shot selection and not settling, but there's definitely some interesting, um, intersection between skill and tools between some of the guys in this class yeah christopher just like it's not just that he's bursty or vertically exploded like it's lower body power it's like you know navigating small spaces really really quickly because of the like just force he can generate with his lower body to cover ground on the interior um it's really impressive i mean he's he is a, a really powerful athlete yeah, and J- and Jacob has always been like that. Um, mm-hmm. Since like, and this is is the, like the pro to, not necessarily like heavily scouting the, these guys in like tenth grade and even ninth grade, but just seeing some of the, the special flashes. I mean, Jacob has had some incredible posters. Like especially when when it's off too, I feel like that's when it's most evident when, when he has some time and space to rise up and and really explode towards the rim. Um, it's, it's really cool to see it come to fruition, like in college and, and especially in the half court, uh, getting to the rim and, and exploding and going into the chest of shot blockers in the, in the half court, I think that could be super valuable in the long run. Yeah. I, Oh, one more that I actually didn't have down, but I think is worth mentioning because it is like a fairly outlier physical tool would be like Suggs with his quick twitch ability. Just like, I, I think it's very rare to be able to just react to things that quickly the way that he instinctually instinctually does uh, i think that's an important physical trait as well as like you know you can get it the cade's strength is is exceptional um i think just 
a lot of these guys throughout this entire class have, have really high level physical tools. Yeah, which which is a super interesting. Um, we said we're going to compare and contrast to last year. Just thinking about who I had towards the obviously, Anthony Edwards was an otherworldly athlete, but Lamella Ball, who I had number one on my board, like definitely not blowing you out of the water um, with any athletic traits. Um, Killian Hayes, yes, like he had his deceleration and balance and all that, but athletic traits and pure tools are one of the bigger knocks. Um, I'm trying to think about who else was towards the top there. Like someone like Denny, um, again, like had his functional tools, but nothing otherworldly. You had, I guess you had Kyra Lewis's speed, but obviously that was people, I mean, some thought that would be like thwarted by the lack of vertical explosion. And obviously those issues have obviously re- reared their head in this rookie season. But basically what I'm getting at is that, and, and as you said, Max, last year's draft was, was somewhat of the, the feel class versus this is just, your run and jump tools class and it's been a super interesting year to year turnover. Yeah, run run jump as well as as more uh I don't know, not nuance, but other interpretations of athleticism. Like th- this this class just is a lot of outlier physical tools for everything from run jump to strength to spatial reasoning to quick twitch like coordination there's there's just a lot of really physically talented players this year before yeah before you move fully move on do we mention do we give springer a shout out um for positional guard strength no we didn't but that's a good point because his positional strength is i don't know what percentile but incredibly high <laughs> yeah and talking about lower body strength uh, I'm, I'm not sure if anyone epitomizes that from the guard spot more than Jaden springer uh, speaking about his his ability to just get downhill and throw himself through these small crevices of space that, that don't look like any human should belong through yet. He somehow just is able to play off to and force his way through uh, the, the balance, the explosion, the ability, like talk about going into a uh, shot blockers chest and absorbing the contact and staying vertical and getting a reasonable shot attempt up at the rim while getting fouled or even just embracing contact. Uh, James Springer absolutely excels. And this is the flip side of him being really two foot reliant that he generates a lot of power off of two feet. Yep. And I mean, I would say just because I'm like coming off a recent Springer binge is that yes, like they're absolutely pros to this two foot leaping approach. And I think the ones I highlighted in my recent piece were um, deceleration, which it certainly enables him playing off of two and allowing defenders to fly by while he just hangs for this little push shot. His body control, it certainly enhances him there. Um, it just when you leap off two, you're much more balanced and able to contort properly in the air. And then, of course, g- generating real power and, and exploding towards the rim when given time and space to absorb contact is certainly those three things are probably the things that jumped out to me the most. But of course, there's a laundry list of advantageous micro skills for when he jumps off two. Yeah, a lot of conventional and unconventional athletic tools in this class. Uh, the final strength that we had was tall shooters. This class is just loaded with guys like six, seven plus who shoot the crap out of the ball. Just from Corey Kispert to Zaire Williams to Sam Hauser, Trey Murphy, uh, Julian Champagny. I, even you could throw Kessler in there because he does have a strong track record as a shooter. Matthew Hurt, just guys who are really big and can really, really shoot the ball. There are a ton of them this year. Yeah, I love that you threw Matthew Hurt in there because I feel like he does get. A, like, I mean, he is an he is an exceptional <laughs> shooter. He shoots 
the absolute cover off the ball. And he's definitely one of the more fun shooters to watch because he's so, you just, we just talked about unconventional approaches and he is so unconventional from the high minimal elevation overhead to motion release. It's so old school and just the mid range face ups. And in the beginning of the year, I was like, is Duke really just going to like live and die by the Matthew hurt jump shot. And it turned out they like absolutely were. And, I'm not sure where they would have even sniffed without him. Um, he was absolutely. Has someone, has someone asked her how much he models his game after Larry Bird, or do we all just do we all just assume that like that's the only player he ever watched? It has to be. It has to be. Um, it, it literally has to be. It's way too eerily similar uh, from the way it's just like the way he gets into these shots, the jabs, the stare downs. But I mean, it's the shot in particular. It's like no one really shot shoots too. like no one really no one. shoots like that. It, but. Matthew Hurt does and is an exceptional shooter. Yeah, but it's it's also very advantageous for him at uh six ten or sure. six I think at six ten to have that overhead release where a lot of, especially for someone who's really hindered athletically and struggles mm-hmm. to create space, whether that be off the standstill or, or off movement, he's never really getting these clean looks, especially with the defensive attention that he was garnering over the course of the season. So to have this overhead release where you're basically uh, releasing your jumper at like a seven two or seven one, I don't, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but like probably over seven feet, um, makes it really difficult for defenses to contest. And was certainly, I think, a feather in his cap throughout the year is this the ability to just shoot over defenders. Absolutely. All right, uh, we're gonna move into weaknesses now. Uh, we we have we have a couple for this. Um, the first one I think is the most glaring, and there are a few aspects to it, but there are very few rotational big men in this class um, really throughout the, uh, throughout the draft. And that is a, a, a really striking contrast to last year, which was absolutely loaded with, with different styles of big men throughout. You had Xavier Tillman, Obi Toppin, Yudoka Azubuki, Killian Tilly, Precious Achua, Zeke Naji, even down to uh, like the Vernon Carries, Mamadi Diakites, uh, Isaiah Stewart's. Like you had all of these different types of, you know, big men who fit different roles. And that's just not here this year. So I, I feel like last year the bigs were kind of akin to the wings this year, where kind of whatever flavor you want, you could get it. Um, this year that is not the case. Like there's Usman Garuba who is the, you know, that, that undersized coverage, versatile, short role playmaking, big man, um, you know, role wise in some ways similar to a Kongu, but certainly doesn't have the vertical threat that a Kongu did. Um, you've got, you know, I, Isaiah Jackson, if you even consider him a big is, you know, an erratic defensive playmaker who has incredible ground coverage and vertical leaping ability. Um, you've got, you know, Operant Sangoon as the traditional post big. Uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl uh, as, as a big who can handle, who kind of can fill into a linking big man role, uh, did, you know, does a lot of the little things and, and maybe is, is the shooting big man uh, of this class. And then, like, how, depending on how you think of Scotty Barnes or Jalen Johnson, you could throw them in here, but there are not a lot of big man options. Uh, and I think a lot of this kind of stems from just a lack of these upperclassmen bigs like we had last year that you, you know last year you had you had x you had tilly you had uh you know Kazabuki, and these guys were were all really different 
Um, but they were these like super accomplished uh, upperclassmen bigs. And this year, I, I don't even know who that is. Like you've got Luca Garza. Uh, if you're, if you're, you know, interested in a guy who is a, a post-centric big who also has shooting, but you know, has real mobility issues. Um, like Amir Sims as an undersized, uh, an undersized guy who can shoot some, can make plays on the roll, uh, you know, is a fairly intelligent player. Like that's an option, but, but the big men this year, there, there's just not a lot to pick from. Yeah. It's, it definitely gets super bleak after Mobley. Um, it's just, as you mentioned last year, if you wanted a shooting big, you had someone like Najee to bet on. If you wanted a strength and like locker room intangibles based big, like Isaiah Stewart was right there for you. And everyone kind of took a liking to their certain guy. And I, you obviously, us, but both of us were big Xavier Tillman fans. Obviously you had Obi Toppin in there who was going to be a big man. It just a wide plethora of, of, skill like skills tools just very just a lot of different things you could gun for uh, at the four or five spot compared to this year where yes like you have isaiah jackson um garuba i'm not even sure what position to really project him like when you watch him in those early games like he looks really small out there um yeah like, i don't really even know if i'd feel comfortable like I, I and i used to view him as like someone who could play five in spurts but like i don't really think that's feasible anymore um something worth noting there like go look at a picture of onyeka kongu standing on an nba court yeah it looks eerily similar um like, to, yeah it's very similar it's it's very easy to get caught up as you know in draft twitter on the feel and skills and that sort of thing um but at the end of the day, like the tools really do matter. It's like size matters a lot. Um, and so I, I like, and you, I think you could tell that as soon as you look at Onyeka Okongwu on an NBA floor, like he is really, really small. Um, and that's certainly something to keep in mind with Garuba, who in, in the ACB is mostly not playing the five this year. Like he is almost exclusively playing the four. Uh, and that is, that is not the NBA. Like it's, it's, the second best league in the world, but it's not, it's not the NBA. You're talking about no, another massive step up. Uh, so I think that that's certainly worth noting for someone Garuba's size. Yeah, no, it's absolutely a great point. It's something that I fell for and, and was guilty of with Okongu. I'm thinking that, oh, he, six nine's good enough. Well, n- not really when everyone is seven feet tall and seven one. And it really does put things into perspective when you see someone like Okongu look like a small forward out there, uh, honestly. Um, so yeah, the tools absolutely matter. And that kind of, it's actually a really good segue into my next point that I think it's really important to take these guys at face value for what they truly are. Um, just because there's not a ton of bigs in this class, that doesn't mean that we should be forcing these smaller guys into this mold. I think like someone like Jalen Johnson, and Scotty Barnes are like very clearly fours. I don't think I would feel comfortable playing them as my five in any like reliable lineup. And I don't think just because there's a scarcity of bigs that we should be more inclined to put them into a category that where they're not fit. And so I think it is like every class has their strengths and weaknesses. And I think it's just necessary to like recognize that, yeah, like this class is, is, is really bleak when it comes to bigs outside of Mobley. And of course you have like Isaiah Jackson, Sangoon guys that you mentioned, but even someone like Kai Jones, like I, and both of us were talking before we got on the air and like Kai Jones is more of a, like a, a four, like 
even like a stretchy wing to me, honestly. I think that's like how his skills can get more most yeah, maximized. I would, not, I would not classify Kai as a, as a big. Yeah, no, no, I agree. Um, when it comes to like his ultimate ceiling, which hopefully looks something like spacing the floor, attacking off the bounce and, and using that coordination and fluidity to overwhelm people with like quickness and size, not necessarily as like a big man, if that makes sense. Yeah. The, the other weakness we had was um, creator gambles. So whereas there are those franchise sh- shaping talents at the top, I do think that like, you know, as you progress through this draft, there aren't those guys that you can take a shot on in the way that there were last year. Like Grant Riller ended up going very, very late in the draft. Leandro Bomaro, late first. Kyra, late lottery. Cole RJ, uh, late lottery. No, just outside the lottery and in the 20s. Uh, even down to someone like Malachi Flynn, who, who Ben and I certainly talked about, like, are, are we underrating that there are outcomes where Malachi Flynn is just such an exceptional shooter, such a crafty pick and roll player that he is just like star adjacent. Um, there were a lot of those guys, but I think by virtue of the fact that there were just so many guards last year, there were so many good guards last year. Um, and what, once you reach a certain point with them, it was, it was another like, okay, whatever flavor you prefer, you can just have down to, you know, like, like Saban Lee was, you know, was someone that, that certainly like, I think we, we, we were pretty fond of. Um, Devon Dotson too. Um, sure. Yeah. Dotson there were people well. who liked Devon Dotson. Um, this year, like you've got Sharif Cooper, you've got Trey Mann um, who offer very, very different skill sets. Like, you know, Sharif has the shooting concerns, has the size defense concerns, but master, master manipulator, uh, you know, unbelievable anticipation and intelligence and functionality to deliver any pass. The finishing craft uh, is unparalleled uh, at the guard spot. His balance, his body control are special. Uh, And then Trey Mann, of course, excellent shooter, incredible space creator for jumpers, uh, capable, very capable of creating advantages when getting downhill as well with his his excellent handle, uh, change of pace and change of direction and threat of his shot, and then does also have finishing craft. But beyond those guys, I don't know that there's anyone that really has that much shot of, of you know, contributing as a – or of turning into a, a, a primary uh, at a really super high-end outcome. Um, I guess you – I, 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 I don't know that I would even throw, like, Davion Mitchell out there, but maybe, maybe you'd be inclined to put Jared Butler – I was yeah I was I was gonna throw out Jared Butler, um, but but the general I think the general notion that like if you're if you're not getting one of the one of the guys that's gonna cost you a really really high level lottery pick, um, there aren't that many shots to be taken on these guys in this class. No, absolutely, and and I think. Jared Butler, um, I would throw in with an asterisk as he's kind of like a, I think he's kind of like a meet you in the middle kind of guy between man and Sharif in the sense that he doesn't necessarily have a glaring weakness like Sharif, his size and the shooting right now it absolutely hinders him with, with Trey man, the finishing and the frame is tough. And while like Butler doesn't necessarily have a, like a hindering flaw yes like his standstill burst isn't great and it certainly hinders his ability to create advantages against the set defense in half court but 
he's able he's a really reliable shooter especially from deep he can self-create looks he can pull up out of with both hands has a patent floater game and has finishing craft but what you're lacking is that otherworldly trait like Sharif is an otherworldly playmaker and manipulator Trey Mann is an otherworldly shot maker and shot creator and when you're gunning for these these creators with four high end outcomes I think I don't want to say it's necessary to have that otherworldly single trait to bet on, but it's very important. And I think it directly, it does directly correlate to your high end outcome. So I do want to throw out Jerry Butler there. I think he's worth a mention when it comes to these creator, I don't want to say gamble, but just creator options. But yeah, I think those two are very clearly your first two options in this regard. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Yeah, that's all we have for, for strength and weaknesses, unless anything else comes to mind, Jake. We can probably move on to the spotlight skill. Yeah, no, I'm ready to move on to the spotlight skill. I think that was like a, re- that was like a fun overview of the class, um, especially yeah. you know, compared to last year. It is really, it's really, really interesting how different it is when you talk it out. I remember like the polls on last year would be like, rank these five guards that were all within like 10 spots of each other on my big it's a super different class yep like yeah it's it is a really stylistically different class from last year which keeps it interesting and fun um although i mean the draft is always interesting and fun maybe (laughs) maybe not maybe not when you're doing the same one for like 16 months in a row (laughs) that that was a little tough but yeah this cycle it hasn't um i haven't hit my breaking point yet, which is really good to hear. We, I'm, I, I kind of want more time. I've gotten used to the, the super, uh, super long. I, I, can, I can agree with that a little bit. There's still a lot of guys that like, I need to get to. Um, so I, I can definitely agree with that. Yeah, I mean, like, you need, you need time to just like grind Dalibor Illich film. <laughs> it, it just like, it has to be done. Um, but yeah, do you have anything for spotlight skill? I do. I think I forgot to put it on the dock, but um, fitting, I'm going to talk about Mobley. Uh, just a certain aspect of Mobley that I really enjoyed and popped out to me while watching him recently. It, it's sort of the Gobert effect where when you watch jazz games, Gobert doesn't even have to get up off the ground to 
make someone just be like, like a guard that's driving to be like, nah, I'm not going to try that. Like Gobert kind of just has to be deterrence. It. Deterrence. Yep. That's exactly where I was going to next. And Mobley has that. And it's really special when, when you think of an 18 year old to has that. And I think it can be attributed to a lot, a combination of a lot of things that we mentioned at the top of the show, which was the mobility, the lateral quickness, the instincts, and just the, the sheer presence with the length and stuff. And so Mobley is just, it was honestly hilarious when it got to a point where it was like middle of the second half and guys were coming off pick and rolls, like absolutely had a step, but they knew if they're going up, like Moby was just pinning that like very easily. And they just like decided to do the Steve Nash loop around and reset. And like that pure deterrence is just one of the traits that only like the special rim protectors have. So I thought that that would kind of be the perfect spot skill to point out. Yeah. I think that like one of the big things with him is the, in addition to length with, with his incredible reach, it's how he can mobilize that through patience and flexibility that he really can get to pretty much anything in the, in the paint, even if he, you know, commits incorrectly at first, like he can adjust because of his flexibility. Um, and so it's just like, it adds that much more to his deterrent ability. And like, honestly, I think we're going to start to see him be a deterrent on jumpers too that like he blocks pull up jumpers on against guards and pick and roll like he blocks them oh and, uh, and you'll see it from a from a game to game basis where if he gets a piece or even alters a pull up and drop coverage next few possessions or even for the rest of the game that particular guard is absolutely disinterested in, in pulling up and loses all spatial awareness and just kind of throws that out of their bag but then you'll it takes another guard to learn the same lesson a few games later. Um, I, I think once you, you get to the league and that sort of becomes like a calling card, I, I absolutely think you're right. Yeah. I assume Evan Mobley will not be on a good team next year, but it will be very cool to track his uh, like frequency heat maps on off defensively. Yes. Because I would imagine even as a rookie, Evan Mobley, but at least like maybe, maybe there'll be a, an inflection point somewhere in the season but I don't think he's going to get challenged at the rim very often no. because I think he's quite quickly going to establish himself as, as a pretty exceptional rim protector. And the one, the last point I wanted to uh, hit on before I moved on from Mobley is that you did note um, that like the select few instances where he overcommits initially, and then sometimes able to recover, sometimes isn't able to recover. Those are really the only instances where he like relies on length. And that's what I really like, jumps out to me is that he's typically in the correct position he has the vertical pop to get up and high point and then the length is just the overwhelming cherry on top for the block or the altar or chase down save whatever you whatever happens on a particular possession Com- contrasted to some of these other other world like these other crazy bigs that are big time athletes that will rely on their tools to block a shot at the rim or have a weak side contest like Mobley is always in the right spot positionally and then just continues to overwhelm with that length so that's just another thing that I want to point out yeah uh I had Marcus Zagorowski's finishing um but before I get into that so you mentioned this kind of like offhand about like we're not going to see a Bane like shooting profile uh Marcus Zagorowski has ridiculous career shooting numbers. Uh, on 508 three-point attempts over three years, he's at 42.3%. And these are not easy attempts. These are yeah. really deep. 
These are diverse. These are frequently off the dribble. Desmond Bain over four years was at 575 attempts, 43.3%. Like Zagorowski's shooting profile is nuts. And it, and it like, it lines up when you watch him. He's certainly bothered by, by very good contests. And then you start to see some ugly misses, which is concerning. And, and Bain's got some significant size on him. Uh, but Marcus Zagorowski is a really high level shooting prospect. Um, and that's not even the spotlight skill that I was that I was going to highlight. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk about his finishing because rewatch, like returning to him this year, I didn't remember how crafty of a finisher yeah. he was. That he's got all the these scoops, these goofy footed, you know, uh, abnormal pacing, both hands, weird angles that he can create. That he creates contact at at intelligent angles to then you know, free up his attempts that he's just a really a lot craftier as a finisher than I remembered in addition to that totally outrageous shooting profile. Yeah. So I think I forgot. I mean, I think it's just a common theme that like, if you played basketball, you like prospects that like played like you um, minus the shooting. Cause I definitely did not have a clip like that. Like Zagorowski is someone I have so much fun watching because like, I know how I know the pain that he feels like getting downhill and not being able to explode and relying on these scoop finishes. And it's so much fun to watch. Like I was really into Tyshawn Alexander last year and Zagorowski was just someone I like really enjoyed watching. I didn't know what it looked like from an NBA projection standpoint, especially when it comes to like the lack of physical tools. I'm mean, in all honesty, I didn't know uh, he had a track record like that as a shooter. I mean, obviously anecdotally watching the games, you knew he could really shoot it, but that when you're talking over 400 attempts and over 40%, uh, especially with the diversity he shoots it at, that's no joke. Um, so Zagorowski certainly, uh, he's your prototypical subpar athlete, really damn good and, and skilled college point guard. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he can stick around in the NBA, but yeah, the, the craft finishing is so much fun. Yeah. So can you pass like Ben Pfeiffer? If I played with the kids that Ben was playing with, I think <laughs> I would look like Magic Johnson. I swear. Like I, my t- number one skill is undoubtedly passing the basketball. Like very, t- like very tentative. But do you have Ben's creativity is the thing. Are you throwing bounce passes over five people? This is what I'm getting at. When you're in such a lax environment, where there is absolutely no pressure put on you as the ball handler. There is no one that can really play basketball to a requisite level. You're so much more free and your mind is going. I'm hearing a lot of excuses for reasons that you don't throw Pfeiffer passes. (laughs) I absolutely done Pfeiffer. I know you're listening to this. I think I listen, if we're putting the same open gym, I would love to go back and forth. You throwing LaMelo ball, uh, skip, uh, whether Pitch head passes and uh, I don't loss of words there. Pitch head, you name it. Pitch head passes, threading the needle, uh, double bounce, like full court bounce passes. I, I'm there. I will see you. That is the one. Like I'll never come on here and challenge someone in a shooting competition. I'll never challenge. I'll never be reckless and challenge anyone to a game of ones. Playmaking, I will see you. I think you should come to Missouri within the next like, <laughs> five days that I'm still here, and you should play Ben. Uh, uh, listen, I'm, I'll, I'll officiate. <laughs> there, there have been ideas that I've been less enticed with in my life. We'll just say, leave it at that. One day, one day, <laughs> there's going to be the the battle of the non-me prep to pro hosts. And um, I'm I'm fully looking forward to whenever this drops. My, my text from Ben, maybe even my mentions from all his boys at Mizzou for 
disrespecting their pickup run and it's it's fine um I know not everyone has been exposed to the same level of basketball, but it's okay. Oh, man. You're just digging yourself deeper and deeper. <laughs> it's like the damage has already been done. Um, anyways, I think that's all. You got anything else? I don't think so, man. All right. I'm good. This was a fun episode. Glad to be back. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, and stay tuned. Hopefully, we're going to be on a, a weekly schedule moving forward. Uh,